This week and next, I'm going to talk about life after death. This is one of those topics I would rather teach a class about than preach a sermon. Reason being that this is a topic that ever since it appeared in the Bible, people have differed in their opinions about it. We know that because Paul would not bother to make an argument about resurrection unless everyone else in the church uh, agreed with him. He, he makes the argument that he makes because he knows that there is a difference of opinion and a space for conversation. So I'm going to talk about some of what he says uh, this morning and some of what our tradition has said about resurrection. And I invite all of you, I hope that this will create an opportunity for you to talk with each other about what you have believed about the resurrection. And I invite you to talk with me about it as well. Let us pray together. Startle us, O God, with your truth. And startle us with ideas that we may not have imagined before. May your Holy Spirit move in this place as we share in worship together. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. George Saunders is an important fiction writer in our time. Some readers enjoy his writing and others don't like it at all, but it cannot be denied that his imaginative literary choices have made a lot of people think. He forces readers to consider again what qualifies as a novel, in addition to uh, portraying normal situations or things that we have uh, seen or thought about before in entirely different lights. In 2017, Saunders released a novel called Lincoln in the Bardo. The word bardo, the idea of the bardo, comes from the Buddhist tradition. It describes a transitional state between death and rebirth. It is similar but different from the term purgatory that uh, some Catholic tradition has talked about in, uh, in the same kind of a way. The novel Lincoln and the Bardo is about what happens following the death of President Abraham Lincoln's little boy, Willie. Saunders creates a story about the people that Willie meets in the Bardo people hanging out in a graveyard on the way to whatever it is that awaits them in the afterlife. An important part of the plot involves Abraham Lincoln's visits to the graveyard as he grieves and as he tries to let go of his beloved son who has died. The novel reminds us of something important that we all intuitively know. None of us has any idea what awaits us on the other side of this earthly life. We have periodic fears and hopes and dreams about who or what we might find when we get there, but none of us really knows. Biblical and Christian tradition invites us to believe in something called the resurrection of the body. 
According to this doctrine, something good does await us on the other side of death because Jesus Christ got up from the tomb and went before us. I know from my conversations with many of you that many of us are not comfortable talking about the resurrection. Many of us are much more comfortable talking about the life and teachings of Jesus. Be that as it may, the Bible talks about resurrection quite a lot. And the Apostle Paul thought belief in it was crucial for followers followers of Jesus. So, even though I can explain to you precious little about how resurrection actually works, and even though I know many of you might rather hear a sermon about the Good Samaritan, I'm going to talk about resurrection this week and next. And my goal is to talk about it not as a burden in Christian belief, but as a welcome mystery to explore, something that you might actually hope for. So first of all, let me name some of the things that may make belief in the resurrection seem like a burden. One of the obvious ones is that it's hard to believe. We all know people who have died, but none of us know someone who we have seen get up and walk again. Like so many other things that we talk about at church, this is a leap of faith. But admittedly, this is certainly one of the big ones, if not the biggest. There are other burdens about the resurrection that are of more of a practical nature. The resurrection that we claim as Christians that Paul talks about is a resurrection of the body. And so apparently we are to have bodies of some kind in eternal life. What if you are not happy with the body you have? For especially after 80 or 90 years, most of them don't work so well as they once did. And perhaps you didn't like the body you had in the first place. Do we have to take this body with us? Do injuries and disabilities, illnesses and pains, addictions and dementia, do these things follow us in the afterlife? The human body is an incredible machine. And yet most of us, when pressed on the question, probably do not want to take with us the body we have. And what are we to do with that? Does it mean that we are ungrateful for the body God has given us? So certainly anyone can offer a flip response that says, well, in one way or another, all of that will be better. But to press the question just a bit further, really, how do we know? And what do we know? These are legitimate and important concerns and questions, and there are others. And so I'm going to invite you to think about them a little bit. And all the same, if for whatever reason you are not a big fan of the resurrection, I want you to know that this has always been a conversation. And I would like to invite you to consider this idea of resurrection once again. And to consider what you might believe about it. So the first reason you might want to reconsider believing in the resurrection is because the Apostle Paul says so. 
Now you might say to yourself, it doesn't matter to me, Adam, what the Apostle Paul says. Paul accepts slavery as a given and says that women should be silent in church. That's true. I would argue that you are all here today, and many of you are here week after week after week, because in spite of those disagreements, on some gut level you do care what the Bible says, and even what Paul says, and that's true even though you may disagree at times. And Paul is not alone in affirming the resurrection. The Gospels do the same. So we should at least give Paul a hearing and think about what he has to say. And Paul says this, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith has been in vain. He also says, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, he continues, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul is convinced the bodily resurrection, he thinks, is fundamental to belief in Jesus, to being a Christian. Some people did not agree with him. As I mentioned, the fact that he had to spell it out in a letter tells us with authority that not everyone agreed. But again, he is far from the only one in the Bible to bring up resurrection. And in our tradition, it is the, founda the foundation of Easter, our most important religious holiday. So let's talk about why, long after Paul, resurrection became a core belief in Christianity and why it still might be worth thinking about. So first of all, some would say, if resurrection is false, Jesus dies a simple blasphemer and troublemaker. All of the things that his enemies said about him may have been true, and all of the things that he had to say that were countercultural, challenging, and inspiring lose their meaning on the other side of the grave. Yes, there are many revolutionary figures who lose their lives in the important quest for good. If there is no resurrection, Jesus is one more of them, and that's worth something. But some will argue if resurrection is true, it amplifies to an infinite extent everything else good about Jesus. If what Jesus and those who came after him said about resurrection is true, it takes everything else good about Jesus and makes it infinitely more. Another important thing to know about resurrection is that when understood properly, the resurrection does not burden us with our bodies. Rather, it redeems our bodies. As I said before, our bodies are flawed in so many different ways. But Paul is clear that the resurrected body is something different. He says in this morning's reading, there are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing and that of the earthly is another. We know this not only from Paul, but from the Gospels. For in the Gospels, when Jesus is raised from the dead, the people who knew him best in life do not recognize him. 
We do not know what happens in the afterlife to illness or aging or whatever things about your body you may wish had been different. But believing in the resurrection means believing that something different is in store. The third thing I wish to share with you about resurrection is an interesting historical irony. Back when Paul wrote to the Corinthians about resurrection, things were quite different. There were amazing cultural differences between that time and today. Most folks who were Christians in the early church did believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They were part of a culture of heroes and a culture of myth. And the idea that their Savior had been raised from the dead was widely accepted. It was their own resurrection, their own life after death, that they doubted. And that is what Paul is writing about. A lot of people in the ancient world thought that when you died, that was it, and they certainly doubted a resurrection of the body. Heaven in their culture was not the popularly accepted idea that it is today. In our own time, quite the reverse is true. Many folks mumble their way through the words of the creed that say the third day Jesus arose from the dead. Many of us are not sure we're comfortable with that idea. There's widespread disagreement. But many more of us are quite confident in our own resurrection, or at least that of people who we love. When a loved one dies, we are glad that they are in a better place. We earnestly wonder who we might see in the afterlife, and we wonder about what it will be like. We ask and speculate on all sorts of questions like that, taking it as a given that for us there is an afterlife. That for us and in our culture seems like an easier belief. If any of this resonates with you, I would offer you a simple challenge to consider that puts these two historical contexts in conversation. If your own journey to heaven or that of one who you love is something that you can imagine, why is it that we do not give Jesus the benefit of the doubt? A fourth good reason to believe in resurrection is that it gives us freedom from being stuck in sin. This one is rather straightforward and definitely practical. What is it that troubles you and keeps you up some nights? A lie you are living. An abuse you have suffered or that you know about in someone else's life. A mistake you are unable to correct. A curiosity about why some people are born into so much suffering. A conflict you have never been able to resolve. A hurt that just won't go away. Whatever haunts you in this life, do you really wish for it to follow you forever? Do you really think that our God of love, who created you out of love, wants that for you? Resurrection, the idea of resurrection is that we are 
due for a new beginning, a different kind of life. This is the promise. Do you not want it? See, resurrection provides a core life narrative of hope. And it surprises us in little ways that come to us often unexpectedly. In writing this sermon, I pulled out a book written by my most treasured mentor, a college professor who died of a massive heart attack when he was 60 years old. I took the book off of my shelf, settled into a chair, and read something he wrote about resurrection. A few minutes later, I sat the book down on my lap, and I thought to myself, wow, he was so gifted, so brilliant. And I found myself speaking into the empty room, I miss you, Bill. I have my own questions about what resurrection looks like. But at that moment, thinking about this sermon, it hit me, the fact that I spoke to him, that I know he's out there somewhere. This is confidence in the resurrection. And I imagine that similar things happen to many of you. Some of us would rather not talk about the resurrection. We're happier and more comfortable talking about the teachings of Jesus. Next week, though, I will talk about resurrection again, and the substance of that sermon that will be, will be if you prefer to talk about the moral teachings of Jesus, if you prefer to talk about his message of justice to the poor and the oppressed, that you may want to consider that in our theological tradition, much of the authority for those teachings comes from a conversation with what Jesus had to say about resurrection. That will be next week, and I hope you will be here to continue the conversation. In the meantime, if you still struggle with this supernatural idea of resurrection, I want to leave you with a word about belief, one that some of you will have heard come from me before. There's a theologian named Tom Long, and he talks about belief, saying that things we say we believe are a lot like telling someone, I love you. When you say to someone, I love you, for the very first time, you make a choice. Often we choose not to say, I love you. And when we do, for the first time, it is always said with an element of risk, not knowing what will come to us in return, and not knowing what it will be over the long term. But when we, can, when we do make a decision to say to someone else, I love you, we open a world of possibilities. If you keep saying, I love you, to someone else year after year, five years, ten years, twenty years, fifty years after you said it the first time, it will mean something entirely different, partially because of the way that the love has grown and also because of the ways in which it has been a challenge. But if we do not challenge ourselves to say it a first time, 
we will never find out what it means 50 years later. My friends, there are no guarantees of what will happen to us on the other side of this life. The meaning of what it means to say, I believe in the resurrection, does not come for any of us all at once. But it may be that there are incredible miracles of faith, ways that God wishes to speak into your life, and you will discover them only if you are willing to take a risk and say what you believe and entertain questions about it. I hope that you will talk more with one another in response to this message today. I hope you will speak to me about the questions that you have. We are part of a beautiful tradition that has a message for hope about what awaits us. And it is there for us all. To God be the glory. Amen.